Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast, the show where we highlight unusual success stories to help us all think outside the box in life and in our careers. My guest today is someone just a little bit close to me. My wife is on the show, the one and only Maruha Ratana. I wanted to bring her on because she has a fascinating success story that will appeal to so many of you. She started out as a psychologist, then became a professional singer, becoming a finalist in Dutch X Factor, getting a few radio hits under her belt, and performing routinely for thousands of people each weekend. But a few years ago, she realized that many singers and songwriters suffered from the same problems, both internal and external, so she became a coach for other artists, creating her vocal psychology program. Now she's spoken for Sony and more, and she's mentored tons of people. So this episode is really for you if you've ever thought about switching careers or if you just aren't sure how seemingly different aspects of your life can fit together into a new vision. So here's Maruha Ratana joining me in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing things a little bit differently. For the first time, we're doing an interview that's not a Zoom call. We're doing one in person, which feels kind of weird. <laughs> We were, uh, you know, we were kind of thinking I could be in the living room, but this seemed better. Yeah, we could have faked a Zoom yeah. call, but it seemed like, why would you do that and yeah. suffer the quality loss <laughs> when we're literally in the same house, locked down together? So, why did I have you here other than sheer laziness on my part? Some might say it's because I took a vacation and was unable to book a guest this week <laughs> and ended up with a hole in the schedule. Some might say that, but they'd be wrong. The real reason that I did this is because I think you have an unusual success story as well. And I think it's a story that will apply to a lot of people out there or might motivate a lot of people who tune into this podcast for ideas. Thank you. That's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Give us an arc overview of how you ended up doing what you're currently doing. Whew, okay. So, um, well, I started um, my career as a psychologist in Holland. Before I uh, became a psychologist, I always wanted to be a singer. And uh, But I grew up in this really small town in, in Holland. And I just thought, that is just not possible for me. Uh, what else can I do? I love people. I love stories. I love figuring things out, and uh, that's how I ended up uh, studying psychology. And then <laughs> after <laughs> I graduated and I got my master's degree, I started working as a psychologist. But I was kind of, um, you know, with one foot in music business, one foot in, in psychology world. And I met this young man who uh, told me... <laughs> <laughs> not to give up my dream and uh who was I, he i'll kill him <laughs> you don't know him oh, okay <laughs> he's way more handsome than <laughs> he's way more, yeah that's true <laughs> was he balding prematurely <laughs> no. No. no he had a lot of hair like he that. had a lot of hair <laughs> okay got it but um no you were really one of the people who uh who convinced me to uh you know to chase my dream and i did and that's when i became a singer-songwriter, and, uh, you know, I did some really cool stuff for a few years. And then I, um, well, I, I noticed that the psychology part was really, you know, uh, needed some attention, and, um, well, I needed a lot of, like, inner work as a singer and a songwriter, because I, I felt so insecure, and I felt so nervous about all the things that I was doing, and I felt like I was an imposter. And so I needed to do a lot of inner work and help myself a lot to uh, 
to still, you know, feel good on that stage and in the studio. And um, I thought I was the only one, but I was not. <laughs> Almost all my peers felt the same way. So I created a program called the Vocal Psychology Program. And with that program, I help other singers and songwriters overcome the same obstacles that I did. So. Yes. Well, it's a classic example of the Steve Jobs quote, you can only connect the dots looking backward, not looking forward. Yeah. Because for many years, you had no clue how this study that you did, how the psychology training and a master's degree in psychology related in any capacity to yeah. the art that you wanted to make, the singing that you wanted to do, the songs that you wanted to write. Mm -hmm. And of course, like so many other people in life, yeah. you found that merging those two things together created something. Yeah. No, that's true. Different. <laughs> feels so funny talking to you. <laughs> but yeah, for a really long time... Professionalism. Professionalism. <laughs> this show is all about professionalism. <laughs> but yeah, for a really long time, it felt like two different worlds. And you know that. It felt like I had to be one person in this world and one person in the other world. But really, you know, I started thriving when I when I felt like myself in both worlds and when I could see like how this influences that and that influences this so I would say that you know even in my songwriter I, songwriting I use a lot more psychology now and um, you know I, I really try to um, use what I learned as a psychologist in my music and of course the other way around I learned um, so much about how to how to think like a successful singer and that's what i of course offer my uh, my clients in the program so now you do mentoring but what else do you do what yeah. what is the work that you do at the moment well it's a lot of coaching yeah um when you say coaching one-on-one coaching one-on-one -on -one coaching yeah via exactly. skype during the pandemic but yeah. also before the pandemic in yeah. person and also recording and recording yeah. sessions yeah. yeah 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 exactly so uh one-on-one -on -one coaching. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I'm also setting up a group program for songwriters. Uh, and besides that, I, I still write songs. Um, and I, uh, I'm a mother. <laughs> Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's shocking information. Yeah. I guess that makes me a father. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a lot of sharing information also with social media and, um, you know, I'm starting to do uh, speaking gigs now. So uh, I'm trying to yeah. uh, share the knowledge and the information. Well, it's, all, it's also funny how things come full circle and how some of the things that you start, you don't know where they're going to end up. And I think that's why it's such a good story for this podcast is because... You know, now we're very used to the pandemic and all of this stuff. Everybody has been struggling. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting to see how people are recognizing now what you've always been saying. Because yeah. of the pandemic, now they're more aware that other songwriters and singers are struggling mentally and emotionally. Yeah. People are more aware that people need help or therapy, especially creative people, that it's incredibly hard mm -hmm. to create all the time and avoid, especially when money is attached to your creation, when you need to create and when you're getting so much pressure from record labels and people who are only business minded to say, give me that next hit, produce, 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 more money, more money, more money. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there trying to reach into your soul when you're exhausted and you don't feel like it. Yeah. So you've kind of 
your skills have become a lot more relevant in the eyes of the rest of the world, would you say? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think amongst songwriters and singers, it was already pretty known in recent years. Like, we're all struggling, but the pandemic has definitely, you know, made things worse. And I think for a long time, <clears throat> you know, people on the corporate side were like, yeah, this is not our problem. We're not psychologists. Everyone just has to figure it out on their own. But we're losing money. We're losing lives in the, in the worst case. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love how much more open people are now, um, record labels, publishers, to, you know, providing supports mm. and uh, the services to uh, to help creatives. Because I always say, you know, it's, it's, it's your job to express your emotions. So it would make a lot of sense if, if uh, you know, if you would get the support to process your emotions and turn them into gold. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, why do you think that that has not been there historically? We look at documentaries, we look at Avicii mm -hmm. died, all of these people died. Amy Winehouse yeah. died at the age of 27. It's almost like we as a society take pleasure mm -hmm. in watching our celebrities suffer. Or we think mm -hmm. somehow because Amy Winehouse was rich and famous that she deserved to be in so much hell. Or that it's yeah. okay yeah. That she essentially that she killed herself when she's 27 years old. Yeah. Why do you think that there's always been that kind of relationship with mm -hmm. people who seem to have everything, who are young, Avicii touring the world, and yeah. yet inside they're struggling so much? Yeah. Well, I think there are a few fallacies, a few thought mistakes. I think one of them is that. Um, I think one of them used to be that oh, that's that's an exception. Um, but studies have shown that um, actually um, at least 75% of all creatives suffer from mental uh, health issues. <clears throat> so it's a lot more common than we used to believe. And then the second thing is that I think there's a, this myth that depression is necessary to be creative, you know, and that all creatives should be depressed almost. And that's where you get your... Uh, where you, where you get your art from. The tormented artist. Exactly, yeah. Stereotype, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, uh, that's not really true. What is true is that people who are depressed and creative people tend to think a lot, you know? We know all about that. <laughs> I don't know. I no, never think. No. <laughs> <We> <laughs> not never a thought think. goes on in no. this brain. No. <laughs> I hit the pillow and it's straight to bed. <laughs> What is there to think about? <laughs> exactly. What do I know about pouring your heart and soul into a creative endeavor to get nothing back? <laughs> nothing! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So yeah, the, the the real thing is that uh, it's the what they call rumination that is the, the 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 link there, but you do you definitely do not need to be depressed to be creative. Um, but what is true is that when you get out of a depression, that's when you can become more creative. So not when you are depressed, but when you overcome your obstacles, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to accelerate that upswing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the third thing, wait, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> I don't remember, <laughs> I had a really good point, I swear. <laughs> It'll come back to it. It'll come back. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, all right, so that's the myth of the depressed, or I, yeah. why we talked about why do these people kill themselves, or why are they so? Why are successful people? Yeah. Still depressed. Yeah. Well, okay, the third one came. To yeah. Me. I think uh, people uh, underestimate the um, kind of the burden of success. Mm. Um, so as you get closer, no, sorry, further away from your comfort zone, your baseline, whether that's really depressed or really uh, successful, it feels um, unsafe, you know, and you're not used to uh, things working out. You're not used to um, all the things that come with success. And, uh, you know, when you start out, you often think oh, you have these goals, you know, and mm -hmm. oh, when I reach that, then I'll be happy. Then my life will work out. And that's just not true because it's not in the goal. It's it's in how you are. Um, and so oftentimes as people get more successful, they get more unhappy because you feel <laughs> so restless and so hopeless. And so like, why am I not happy? Um, so, yeah, and I think there's zero uh, support for uh, successful people because everyone's like, what are you whining about? You know, you, right. you have all <laughs> that you dreamed of yeah. and that everyone else dreams of. Uh, but that's not really what makes people happy. So, yeah, it's interesting how we have a cycle as a culture that we know the cycle of any artist from a distance. Yeah. We know when they're coming up, we yeah. root for them and we're like, oh, I can't wait. Like, Look yeah. at Russ. He made it all on his own. He mm -hmm. did it. And how cool is it that he wrote and mixed and mastered his own song? Like they rise up, they get the stadium tour or Lil Nas X, you know, mm -hmm. they rise up and we're so happy that the underdog finally made it. Yeah. And then once they're not the underdog anymore, yeah. they have a period of success and then they start getting just attacked from all angles. And now Lil Nas X is like the devil and he's yeah. leaning into that. He's doing a great job. But... <laughs> They're, you know, yeah. then suddenly they're the devil, suddenly they're the worst ever, suddenly they're getting stalkers or all of these other really negative things that come w from attention. And then the last part of the cycle is that we watch them either go bankrupt mm -hmm. or suffer or kill themselves uh, in the worst case. And this is just what we've come to expect yeah. from celebrity or from art. And it's totally normal. It's mm -hmm. totally fine. And the record labels and all of the people profiting off of this, they're like, oh, okay, we'll just find the next Avicii. We'll find the next Amy Winehouse. Yeah. We Oh, we don't like Lord anymore, but oh, guess who we have? We have Billie Eilish now. <laughs> she's young and depressed. She'll be good with those kids. And when she's yeah. done, then we'll find a new... Yeah. The, the generation double Z person who thinks that all the Gen Z people are idiots and yeah. will complain about that. It's so true. And I'm laughing, but it's really not it's funny. No, it's you know, horrible. It's so it's, bad, it's, but it's, it's funny because it's true. You know, that's yeah. exactly what happens. But yeah, um, I don't know. I'm really hoping that things are going to change now. I mean, you, you see that my publisher, Sony ATV, for instance, they, they, you know, they seem to really care. And I think other other publishers, too. Um, so yeah, let's hope things are going to change quick because it's necessary. Because it's very necessary. Yeah. And people do seem to be more open to these ideas. Yeah. And whether it's coming from within or from mm -hmm. the external pressures of, yeah. of our society, they do seem to be more responsive at a business level to listening to yes. these things. Yeah. But you have worked with tons and tons of artists at this point. What are some of the common traits that you've noticed in the people you've worked with? In in terms of what? Just what are some of the characteristics? So when you help people on their journey, yeah. 
what are some of the common things that artists, that singers mm -hmm. or writers that they're struggling with? Yeah. Okay. Are there universal things that everybody is struggling with or? Yeah. No? Well, okay. Let's see. How can I unpack this? So <clears throat> usually when people uh, kind of start out, there's a lot of, a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of like, I'm not a real singer. Um, and it's funny how that, that never really goes away. So I, I, I've worked with a, with a ton of um, more established artists in Holland. And, um, you know, th there's still a part of them that's like, what am I doing here? Do I really belong here? Um, and I think, um, what are some obstacles in more established artists? Well, I guess that, that what I just mentioned, that... You know, you have these goals that you achieve, and they're still not the the fulfillment uh, that you that you expected would be there. Mm. Um, what I personally also think is that it's super rare for um, established artists to really um, how do I say this? I think it's really rare for any artist, on honestly, to to be super. Uh, <laughs> to be really good at emotional delivery. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of achieving and there's a lot of like uh, flexing, you know, this is what I can do, um, a lot of tricks. But there are not a lot of people who can, you know, like an Adele or something, who mm -hmm. can really, really, really connect to an emotion and then, you know, present that to an audience and create that synergy that you want. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of what I'm trying to do. Like... Mm -hmm. You're here to tell a story. You're here to, you know, to share an emotion with people. Sure. And and that's usually because it's hard to face your own emotions, you know, mm. to... <laughs> am I going too psychological no. for you? Okay. That's it's a long format interview. <laughs> I have a lot to say. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the better you are at, you know, dealing with your own emotions, the, the better you are as an artist that, you know that creates that um, that connection with your audience. Okay, so let's let's rewind. So when you were doing psychology work before art and psychology were connected in any way mm -hmm. in your career, again, mm -hmm. this is about unusual success stories. Mm -hmm. So how do people get from point A to B? How does a banker go to being a <laughs> DJ banker? Or yeah. <laughs> how do you transition? So when you were just doing psychology yeah. before music was a part of it, yeah. when they were completely separate, what were you doing then? I was doing little things. So I was in an a cappella group. I was in a band. I guess I know. I mean, in psychology, I'm talking oh, about purely I'm sorry, sorry, psychology. Yeah, 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 yeah. Forget yeah. music. Okay, okay, okay. How, what Forget were you doing music. in psychology yeah. before you ever had this idea? All right, all right. So I was working at this training company. Um, let me try to make this really interesting. So <laughs> basically, what I was doing is. Uh, was I was helping people who weren't really uh, happy in their jobs. Um, I would help them achieve goals. I would try to figure out with them, like, what are you missing in life? And, uh, like, what is, how do you want to go from A to B, really? So the same thing is what I'm doing <laughs> <Yeah>. now, <laughs> except not in music. But it was like groups of people. It at was that groups time, of right? people. And yeah. What was the format? Well, it was actually really fun because it was um, it was very out outdoorsy. There mm -hmm. was literally like a pit uh, that you had to 
you had to literally get from A to B within mm -hmm. a certain time frame with certain tools. Um, and you had to, you know, figure out who's my teammate here, who should be the leader, um, and what's my role in this group, um, what's my personal goal, do I want to, you know, uh, uh, what's the personal obstacles I want to overcome? Do I want to be more vocal? Do I want to, you know, be less dominant? Um, and those were all, all like metaphoric, metaphoric? <laughs> Metaphors for? Metaphors or? for, <laughs> uh, you know, how to uh, tackle the, the bigger obstacles yeah. in your life. So that's... And, yeah, and that's who is fun. paying for this? Who are the clients that were booking this company? Uh, bigger companies usually okay. like Philips or, you know. And what is it, like a week-long program or how long was the program? It was a really intense, like a four-day or three-day, okay. I don't even remember, three or four-day program. Yeah, it was really like from 7 a.m. to like 10 p.m. So for one week, it would be the Philips week. Yes, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. and then the next week it would be Heineken. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else. This would be a great TV show, by the way, I guess, with I'm like sure celebrities. Yeah, Celebrity it might challenge. be. Yeah, it probably already is. We just probably. don't watch enough TV. We never watch They're like, TV. I mean, celebrity tar pit. <laughs> Featuring Nicki Minaj. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay, so companies. Now, do you think that they were really hoping to get change out of this? Or was it just something that companies felt like they should do? Well, because it looks good and it's tax yeah. deductible. Right. I think there was a lot of that, honestly, because I believed in this company so, so, so much because they did such profound work and people's lives would change. Mm. But companies, you know, they just go for the quick buck usually, and especially back then. So it was it was hard to find clients because, again, companies were like, why? Why is this our problem? Mm. You know, Um but yeah, again, I'm glad that companies are starting to see that it's also part of your responsibility to uh, to take care of um, mental health issues. Mm. So yeah, it was it was a struggle back then. Yeah, yeah. and that's uh, that brings up another point. So you're starting to get into music on the side. Mm -hmm. You're doing dance records, various things as a yeah. vocalist, mm -hmm. often for other people's music yeah. before you're writing your own. You were writing your own, but yeah. your first paid gigs yes. were on top of other people's stuff. Um, so what kind of things did you start noticing? Maybe explain a little bit about that journey. Noticing where? In the singing journey. Like what you started noticing things about how people treat artists or yeah. maybe women in oh, art yeah. role. Like what, <laughs> oh, we're going to get into this. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit yeah. at least. I mean, yeah, yeah, you don't have yeah. to go super deep. No, but, no, but I'm trying yeah. to connect these things because yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise it seems like a not logical progression. Yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah. what is the logical progression yeah. from training people for companies yeah, to yeah. I want to be a singer to yeah. how I'm doing these things together. Right. So like let's exactly. let's tell that journey a little bit. Well, okay, what I the struggles that I had as a singer. Well, okay. Um there was a lot of yeah, misogyny. Um there was a lot of um, I think, you know, as a, especially as a starting artist, you feel like you have to prove yourself so much. You feel like you're dependent on a lot of people. Um, and that, you know, if you're going to say no, there are like 20 other people who are going to say yes. 
So of course that's a beautiful like like that's a great uh, uh, how do you say it? a great opportunity for people who want to take advantage of of women or or artists doesn't have to be women um, you know to yeah to to be a holes I don't know if I can <laughs> swear on this podcast swear <laughs> swear <laughs> um, yeah so you know sometimes you get into situations that afterwards you're like. I can't believe I, you know, that that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think something that you taught me actually uh, is that you should always climb your own mountain. So there's never one particular person that you need. So yes, as an artist, you need a producer, you need a mixer, you need a, maybe a record li- or someone to distribute your, your music. But you never need that specific person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I really started adopting that mindset of I'm always climbing my own mountain because back then it felt like oh I need this person I have to be nice to this person Mm -hmm. even though they're Mm -hmm. doing this and this Mm -hmm. or they're saying things like this Uh, you know and um, yeah I'm really glad that the Me Too movement you know um, happened because finally things are out in the open Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think there's a real solution for it yet yeah but it, it sure has improved a lot but yeah back then that was one of the things me too yeah. and, uh, and ageism as well um you know if we don't sign a record mm. deal before you're 30 years old mm-hmm. just forget about it before you're yeah. 25 years old forget yeah. about it yeah and i was pretty old i started when i was like 28 or something like that <laughs> way too old yeah i didn't experience so much ageism but, but mm-hmm. definitely sexism yeah um yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you've experienced these things, and yeah. there were some moments, I can say witnessing, there were moments that were very hard. Yeah. Some great moments came. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, you started performing. You're performing for sometimes 10,000 people at a time. Uh, you had songs on the radio, um, some mini hits. We got flown to Ibiza to perform. You performed yeah. for... <laughs> a soccer official anthem for the football match, um, which was an amazing highlight. So you started, you've done, you did a lot of these things that were really cool and that a lot of people haven't done. Really mm-hmm. great stuff. Um, but there was something else that was happening, kind of like we talked about in the beginning, alongside mm-hmm. some of the more negative things, mm-hmm. or you know, people uh, treating you badly from the record label or abusing their position of power, or mm-hmm. so there was this duality between things going really well on the one hand and yeah. i think on the other hand it was the hardest time for you personally yeah emotionally Absolutely. which is kind of yeah. interesting <clears throat> no that's true yeah and I, I think a lot of that was at the end of the day was me um you know actually not having a strong enough mindset you know i think my best year professionally was 2014 that's when i we yeah. were flown out and did all that cool stuff uh, but I felt so, so, so depressed. And um, yeah, I think it was because of that thing where I had all these goals for myself, you know, mm. and uh, something was just not fulfilled. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was an important year for me for, for many reasons. And uh, I'm, I'm now really, really strong up here, yeah. you know. I think I can handle a lot more now. Um, yeah. What else? Are you hinting at something? Well, no, else? I guess. Well, it, well, one of the moments that I remember that yeah. that you know we don't talk about much, but 
uh, when you had that song that came out on Spinning Record. It got like a million plays in the first 24 hours or yeah. something like mm-hmm. that. That was by far yeah. the biggest, yeah. fastest. I mean, it's, it's and for those of you who haven't experienced this, it's the exact opposite of what I make now, where, <laughs> where I get like three plays in four weeks. You know, it all starts the same. You know, a record label puts a video yeah. online. I mean, yeah. you can put a video online. You can yeah. post on social media. The difference was a million people watched this within 24 hours. And it was such a weird feeling because you're refreshing this thing, watching the views go up and up and up. And the comments come in. Mm-hmm. Some of them are positive. Yeah. Some of them are horrible, yeah. like kill yourself, yeah. die. It like, really went from are... you're ugly to you're a goddess. And yeah, like yeah, you're the ugliest person I've ever seen. Like you <laughs> yeah. sound like horrible, like yeah. just awful things, yeah. good things. And all I know it was like after 24 hours, yeah. you just feel weird. We were exhausted. Yeah, it was so weird. And like, you don't know what to make yeah. of it. Like on the one hand, you're happy that it's got traction yeah. and that it's yeah. like a, a hit kind of thing. Yes. But then on the other hand, you're like, what? Yeah. And I think that's something that very few people that, you know, I don't profess to understand this even now, but when people think about celebrity and especially in the internet age mm-hmm. the floodgates open oh my god and it, yeah. they're weird yeah because that was like a tiny taste imagine tiny, being like right. billy eilish imagine or... getting a billion views oh and my the, god the hate yeah. and death threats and the yeah. horrible things and and i think we as a culture have this belief that celebrity is just positive things mm-hmm. you know or that mm-hmm. getting more famous yeah. is positive it's like oh i get more money and yeah. recognition is good yeah but when you see firsthand how recognition yeah. and and money, it, like how bad it, I mean, mm-hmm. now there's doxing, there's swatting, there's all of these things that yeah. people do to even minor YouTube yeah. celebrities. They're getting the police called on and stuff like that. Um, you see that there's a huge downside mm-hmm. to being famous yeah. in any capacity, and yeah. it's really really hard. And yeah. I've always thought for for myself personally, like, and we've talked about this a lot, but being mm-hmm. famous is not either one of our goals. No, no, and, no. And in fact, it's something that I actively, I would say, fear. Yeah. I really don't want to be famous because no. I don't want all that It's baggage. not something to strive for. But I do like creating stuff. Yeah. So I create because I yeah. like to create. Mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. if anything, being famous mm-hmm. scares the shit out yeah. of me, honestly, yeah. because yeah. it just seems like so much more hassle. I think the easiest life is one who's not known, who's yeah. like... Like, think of a Warren Buffett type just collecting money yeah. in the background, making billions. Mm-hmm. I think that's the easiest life. Yeah, exactly. Being in the public eye is, yeah. is clearly. No, I think fame is not. I think it's great thing. to be celebrated. Now, of mm-hmm. course, I'm grateful for <clears throat> everyone who who, uh, who who loved those songs. And, yeah. you know, but you just can't give it too much weight. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can't. Fame is just not a goal, it's mm-hmm. not tangible. It doesn't get you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it just. I think it's so important to just stay grounded and, and yeah, mm-hmm. keep creating. You know, that's what you're here to do, to create, create, create. And if it resonates, fantastic. And if it doesn't, yeah. it's not for you. You right. know what I mean? So, yeah. <clears throat> so now I want to switch into another gear. So at this mm-hmm. point, we've kind of covered the first two stages of the three stages. But the third stage, and I think with a lot of people, there is a break or there's a shift when somebody makes a decision to switch their focus or to switch their career mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. Yeah. This is the hardest part, I think, 
so it starts with a decision of mm -hmm. okay, I'm gonna leave that behind and I'm gonna do something else. Yeah. But then there's this dip or this lull or this period after one makes that decision where yeah. nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah. You know, because if you define your life as an artist, as a singer, mm -hmm. and then one day you're like, okay, I'm gonna be a, a coach for these people, or I'm going to to focus on this other thing, and I'm gonna bring my psychology degree. Of course, the fans and there's a lot of people for whom that's a disappointment or whatever because mm -hmm. it's like, oh, why are you? Why did you stop focusing yeah. on this thing that I knew you for, and you start focusing on another thing? And I think this is something that will resonate with a lot of people out there because they may have ambitions to switch to something else. Mm -hmm. Let's say you know you've, you've been just for an example an accountant your whole life, and mm -hmm. you want to switch to being an artist or to be a vocalist or whatever. There's a big transition that occurs when family and friends and people who know like have to get used to yeah. the new you the new <laughs> image of you and of course mm -hmm. like everything else in life it's not purely positive it's not all supportive it's not like yeah. oh great yeah. you're not gonna focus on making radio hits anymore you're gonna focus on you know uh, helping people and so <laughs> There's so a giant. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. No, but that's the world. That's the world we live in, yeah. you know. Like, and it, even if you're an artist and you make an album that's slightly different than the other yeah. album, they're already yelling at like, "How dare you! Like, abandon yours!" I'm still an artist. Yeah. I made a different album. Yeah. So you transition, and I think it's it's worth noting that that transition period is hard yeah. and tough and mm -hmm. requires. Yeah. insane amounts of effort because it's like a giant ship moving in one direction mm -hmm. and you want to move it in the opposite or a different direction. Yeah. First, you have to slow the thing down, which mm -hmm. takes forever, and then you have to build up new momentum and move yeah. it in a new direction. So how did that part go when you decided, okay, I actually want to change yeah. to my focus? I guess the biggest change for me was from psychologist to singer hmm. that felt like a change to okay. me because yeah. um, <clears throat> I was never super vocal about wanting to be an artist and it felt almost like I can't say that I'm an artist you know that felt really weird felt like a fictional <laughs> profession you know yeah. um, and I remember that I just kind of took a year to transition um, I was still working uh, but I spent all do you remember when we spent all of our time just analyzing songs and mm -hmm. just really trying to hone our skills? Yeah. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I guess, I don't know if I've ever been super sensitive to what people think of me in that mm -hmm. way. Like, I, I've always had the, the attitude of, well, this is my life, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, n it's not your, <laughs> you don't have any say in this. Yep. Um, and I think when I, like, I don't feel like I transitioned so much. I just kind of added to, mm. not added, but definitely my focus is now more on coaching than on, on being an artist, obviously. But it doesn't feel like I'm closing the door on one mm. thing and opening one to another. It, it just feels like it's all one thing now. Right. Um, and, <clears throat> sorry. And I think... Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just really egocentric, but I don't think other people should decide for me what I yeah. do with my life, you know what I mean? Sure. Well, I guess in addition to the opinions, I mean, I think mm -hmm. the moment building momentum in something new is hard. Yeah, oh, that's and what you're I, trying yeah, to do. Yeah, and I think yeah, that, yeah. That, mm -hmm. that that is why a lot of people struggle, because yeah. it's yeah. hard. Yeah. 
Yeah. Building new momentum yeah. and a new thing when your whole life has been something else. Building yeah. new momentum is yeah. really, really no, tough. No, that, that's true. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's I something that, that is hardly discussed mm -hmm. in the motivational social yeah. media sphere. Yeah. You know, we all talk about, oh, yeah. Yeah, quit your job, do this, follow your dreams, pursue, yeah. like, but... But how? Very yeah. few people talk about <laughs> the practicality. Yeah. And, and I love that everybody trying to sell you something is yeah. always like, you know, it took me four years to mm -hmm. get my first high paying client, yeah. but I can help you if yeah. you just pay me $5,000. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, can you? Yeah. Because yeah. I kind of feel like it's going to take four years for anybody who exactly. defines themselves as something new. And four yeah. years is a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Four years of worrying and wondering mm -hmm. and, you know, when your bills don't ever stop. Four mm -hmm. years is a long time. And yeah. these things take years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's true. the crazy part. So yeah. how did you decide that this was something that was worth committing to for an extended period of time the the coaching parts mm -hmm. yeah well just because i knew that <laughs> i needed it so much and i basically just wanted to create the program that i needed back then you know mm -hmm. there were so many moments of i don't know how to do this um and not just like it, w it was practical things like how do i create a demo i had no idea True. um but also how do i you know behave in a writing session what is normal um how you know do contracts like how do i be great on stage not just singing a song but really you know entertaining an audience how do i do the same when i'm in the studio when there's no audience mm -hmm. there is so much that you, that you have to figure out mm -hmm. so um yeah that's that's why i created this program and i think um you're right. I, I kind of grew in my coaching skills as well. Like in the beginning, you, you only have your own experience, but mm -hmm. the more clients you have, the, the more broad your knowledge mm -hmm. becomes because you see all these examples of of different different uh, yeah. people. Um, but yeah, patterns. You, yeah. So I think you can learn strategies and yeah. obviously I teach strategies yeah. too. And uh, but yeah. It takes a little time, and it, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and one of the interesting Sometimes things... Sometimes. No, that's, that's hard for all of us, yeah. though. It's hard it is. For all it of us. is. Yeah, hard everyone is impatient. But, yeah. but I think one of the greatest things that's come out of it is that I think... And part of the reason that, that doing this is so valuable, I think, is because, especially when you're young, you're very, very alone. Mm -hmm. And... When you're in a studio with other people, like I, you can't stress how alone an artist or a young yeah. female artist yeah. is in the world, mm -hmm. because we generally, as good people, we mm -hmm. want to trust other people. I think there's a strong desire to yeah. trust the process, trust yeah. the system, trust mm -hmm. those in authority, and just you know, because I'm a good person, yeah. I trust that other people will treat me that way. Yeah, and we systematically found in our own life. Uh, from separately yeah. that that is just simply not the case I mean I got stabbed in the back in the most horrible way mm -hmm. like we, like just evil evil yeah. people who go so far beyond human decency and so yeah. it's it's a classic example of what you don't know can hurt you mm -hmm. and will hurt you most mm -hmm. of the time somebody yeah. says here sign this contract yeah and you sign it. I mean, you've got people, even uh, I think Kanye most recently, but you've got major hip hop artists you know, posting their contracts online yeah. saying you took advantage of me or it was like modern slavery, you know. 
And these are big artists. These yeah. aren't even the... Imagine how much the, the little people are getting screwed all of the time in deals that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, also, like you said, etiquette in terms of what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to behave mm -hmm. in a closed studio room where yep. you, you've got, let's say three adult men in a yeah. closed room and a young girl and they're yeah. smoking weed or drinking the entire time and like yeah. what is supposed to happen in this creative exactly. environment you know yeah. so there's so much of this like what do i do what mm -hmm. am i supposed to feel what mm -hmm. am i supposed to think very very alone and that's why i think that the mentorship and coaching is so so necessary because you just simply don't know what's out there and one thing I noticed from you when you were doing this is mm -hmm. that as you talk to more and more people mm -hmm. and as you, you know, either interviewing industry professionals or contemporaries or as you talked to more students, mm -hmm. I really saw from a distance that you noticed a lot of patterns and that there was a lot of validation yeah. in seeing, oh, this thing that I went through. Yeah everybody else is going through too yeah. or this thing that was confusing to me was yeah. confusing for everybody else and then you kind of realize hey why is it that way yeah. or, whereas in the beginning you think these are only personal, personal problems yeah because yeah, there's a little bit of taboo on it and i think everybody uh feels like oh i should know better i should know better and there's a lot of shame around that and yeah thankfully now things are a little more open and less taboo but yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's so many situations that are hard to uh, predict also and hard to anticipate, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it helps that, you know, I can be kind of a big sister in that way and, and, yeah. and say, this might happen. What do you do when this happens? And imagine if this happens. How are you going to respond? Because at the end of the day, you only have yourself and, mm -hmm. and your, um, you know, it's important to have that strong climb your own mountain mindset right. if you're let's say you're in a in a in a writing session and, and people start being inappropriate mm. you're allowed to leave you know what i mean you don't have to stay right. things like that and i think there's just so much fear about making one decision that will ruin your yes. career right yeah i think there's so much fear that if i say this my career will be over if i yeah. do this my career will be over and i think you know, one of the good things that comes with a bit more age mm -hmm. and a sea of less <laughs> yeah. good things is that you realize that actually very few things, almost nothing, is yeah. the end of the journey. Whereas in the, when you're young, you think, if I don't sign this deal with Universal before I'm 29, it's over. Mm -hmm. Or you think, if I don't sign this song, it's over. Or if you think, I get dropped from my label, it's over. Yeah. Or if I leave my label, it's over. Yeah. Everything is over, over. If I say something, I'll never get other people to work with me again. But what's interesting is that I think the industry feeds off of desperation and they mm -hmm. sense that. And they, especially A&Rs and like a lot of the people who are in the position to really ruin people's lives, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they sense desperation and they yeah. feed off of it. But then when you kind of detach yourself from that, good things start happening in the yeah. sense that, you know, I think there was a time when we thought like, oh, if you stop focusing on writing songs and doing this, you'll never get a song placed again. And yeah. this is, a, it's the end of that career yeah. to do this career. Yeah. But since then, yeah. you've had songs that were placed. And yeah. I think, but there was a very different attitude yeah. about it versus a few years ago yeah. where the attitude was like, I need this to happen or my livelihood. To, now it's like, yeah. and maybe you get even more done because Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Uh, maybe not more, but better things. Better things. You know what yeah. I mean? I think I created more, but nothing was great. And I think the things I'm doing now it's it's not as much. I don't have the time anymore. 
But what I do is like so fulfilling and so fun mm. and so great. And I think that fear that you mentioned also, um, it, you know, you see it in like the actual writing as well, in the actual songs, in the actual music. Like Definitely. there are so many people who write from that fear. Like if this isn't a hit, if, you know, uh, yeah. then I will never make it. And so there's so little inspiration and True. just art you know it wasn't what did quincy jones say leave room for god to yeah, step through or exactly yeah, to that. walk into the room yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's very little especially back then would put your hands up in, in the, the air, air. Yeah. <laughs> everything, <laughs> was, everything yeah. must oh. be <laughs> oh yeah yeah I yeah it. <laughs> yes no it's true and and <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I remember that every time, well, how do I phrase this? <laughs> I got a lot of, uh, there were people in, um, in my, um, how do you say that? In my environment. Yeah. <laughs> I won't Sorry, say who, yeah. but uh, you know, I got a lot of like, every time I would see that person, it was like, you should sound more like Sia. You should sound more like Lana Del Rey. You should sound more like, that. you know, every yeah. single time. Uh, you know, and that just always felt so wrong to me. But mm. yeah, I, I, I'm too stubborn for that, so I wouldn't do that. But right. a lot of people are like, oh, okay, okay, you know. Yeah. And that's just getting you farther and farther away from what you are here to do. Mm. From and your own voice. Yeah, exactly. And that's what exactly. you help people do, literally yes. and yeah. figuratively. Yeah. You help people find and express their voice. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because imagine if Billie Eilish would try to sound like <laughs> right. she Alicia to Keys or whatever, right. you yes. know. <laughs> yes. So that the most beautiful thing is always right. when you're true to your own voice. And always. it is it is interesting to note that in her life, of course, mm -hmm. she did it at home with her brother yeah. in a very safe space. Yes. She wasn't making these in some L.A. mega studio. Yes. She was literally at home with a yeah. towel over her head. Yeah. And they just made what they liked, and that ended up being very authentic. Yeah, and, and that's definitely not a coincidence. Not a coincidence, yeah. no. And the freedom to explore mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Well... I think it's a pretty fascinating story for people who care to listen because, you know, again, like mm -hmm. on this podcast, I don't want to show somebody who did something like I would never want to show Martin Garrix's career mm -hmm. on this mm -hmm. podcast because it's, you know, you just you start one thing, it's immediately yeah. successful yeah. and then you're just the best in the world at it or yeah. that's not very unusual. It's not very helpful. Mm -hmm. Somebody somebody's going to win the lottery tonight and that's yeah. not very helpful to you guys. But I think it is helpful when somebody makes a decision or they make a choice or they combine the things that yeah. they're good at in some kind of new way and they take a stand for themselves. So that's why yeah. I thought it'd be good. Yeah, for you but to that's share why I story. love your podcast. And obviously, <laughs> I have support from the start. But the, I think what's so great about this is that, and this is something I, I, uh, I, I talk about with clients in, in the beginning of the program that what is your definition of success? Because it's too easy to say, I want a Grammy. I want uh, to make $30 million. You know, it's, it's, that's not really success. Mm -hmm. That's not really success. And I think what you do really well is you honor, um, you know, what people's personal version of success is. And that, that can be so different from, yep. you know, for everyone. Yep. So. And it's not I'm so just money. Proud I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, in case there's somebody out there, so, you know, you work with 
singers, you obviously and and writers, but you also help people who have often thought that they could never sing yeah. become singers. And you yeah. taught a lot of people who thought I could never be a, a singer express themselves. Mm -hmm. And now they've got gigs and they're yes. releasing music and they're yeah. even successfully releasing yeah. music. So if there's anybody who happens to be listening to this who wants to either work with you or to do anything like that, where can they find you and how should they <laughs> reach out? You can find me at vocalpsychology.com or on Instagram at vocal.psychology um, or at maruharatana.com. I don't know if you're going to have a <laughs> link because that's a difficult name. M-A-R-U-J-A-R-E-T-A-N-A. How do we my, never... <laughs> uh, my theme song. <laughs> well. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm always open to meeting people who, uh, who love to sing. So that's uh, that's all. Do you have any last uh, words? Um, podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's your line. <laughs> last piece you can say. It. Last piece of it's borrowed from. I, did I say that in another one? It's stolen from Iron Chef. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a little Easter egg for the hardcore ah! fans. I but, used to watch Japanese Iron. Just yes! my favorite show as a kid. Oh Here's my god! Kid. If you have not seen Japanese Iron Chef, yeah, the abalone battle is. Over! Over. <laughs> yeah. If memory serves me right, the abalone should be prepared. <laughs> the, the, the ladies sweat. Anyways. Say watch it. it watch say it. the line. Okay. With Pod that. With, wait. With. Podcast. Past. Over. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet. Or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.